everyone, and welcome to Sharing the Journey. Today, I'm here with Amy, who has had quite a journey uh, going through sight loss and um, all the rest of her life, too, I'm sure. So um, I'm excited to bring this to you. And uh, I found out about Amy when I read her book. So I'm sure she'll share about that. But it was called Mobility Matters. That's just one of her books. Um, and it was really good. And it's on Audible. So uh, you can check it out if you want to hear more. And um, like I said, she has other books too that um, she'll be sharing about as we go along. But Amy, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your current current life, and then we'll back up and talk about your childhood and stuff like that. Okay, so here I am. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, I am an author, a Christian author, who writes about sight loss to encourage other people to become independent and to live more fully. And uh, the sight loss is not everything that there is and to push past their limitations. That's one of my goals. I recently started a new job at um, my first job with my white cane in the public sector. So I am working at a bakery at a local grocery store. So I'm uh, doing that right now and challenging myself in lots of different ways. I am the third of four children and we live here in Northwest Pennsylvania where I grew up. Although I have traveled many places and now I've kind of made it a uh, full circle back home. Okay, so um, tell, tell us a little bit about your childhood. What, what were your, what shaped you from your childhood? Well, I think two things. My father, who is a self-made man he had his own business and he worked for our local uh municipal municipality uh, borough and uh, he was the sort of fun parent and the one that we learned to stretch ourselves from my mother was the one that i learned my faith from she took us to church every week and she decided early on that we were going to be raised with uh, a faith element so that's kind of the, the mixture that I grew up with. Just my mother, my parents were very plugged into being parents and they, we participated as a family in lots of different things. And my father was kind of a, always working two or three jobs. And my mom was a housewife who made, uh, made a hot meal every day. Uh, I guess I was quiet growing up and kind of shy and kind of clumsy. We never really knew why. <laughs> and, but I remember like going out trick-or-treating and stumbling in the dark and having things like that happen to me, but just thinking I was clumsy and, uh, you know, just uncoordinated. So um, that, that's basically, I, I was a studious kid and I read a lot and uh, I liked animals. <laughs> so yeah, that's, I think my family life and my studies shaped me in my childhood. Mm -hmm. And did the stumbling and stuff turn out to be because of your visual impairment that was starting or? Yes. Okay. Um, 
Yep. Mm -hmm. But we didn't know about it for years and years. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, later, until years later. Mm -hmm. So what about your teenage years? Um... Yeah, I was not a rebel, rebel at all. I was just very tuned into languages. I took Spanish in high school and I was very quiet. I did all my homework and I just loved reading and meeting like new people from foreign countries. Mm -hmm. My aunt was from Japan and my, my uncle married her after World War II. And I had another aunt that was Russian. And my grandmother, my father's mother was uh, entered into our, like my childhood a lot, uh, into even my teenage years. And so we, I, I think I just had basically a, a, a regular formulative teenage years. I didn't have any major problems, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So you, um, did you go off to college right away or? I did. Uh, I think my rebels year started when I was when I graduated from high school. And I remember, you know, taking my uh, my mom's. Uh, she was a pick, used to tie grapes and pick grapes, and she had this wine. And I <laughs> I remember going that night, going to the beach, and I lost a shoe, and it was nighttime, and drinking the wine. That was my first rebel. <laughs> and uh, uh, but I went away actually to a Christian college <laughs> after that this big summer of uh, rebellion I went away to um, a small college maybe less than 500 students and uh, it was a two-year college in West Virginia in the Ohio Valley and then I went also uh, when I finished there I went to Oklahoma a sister college uh, Christian college and I finished my studies there in, um, in that college far away and I, I think my third year was the year I decided that I wanted to travel and live overseas the the I took a class called um, linguistics and I just loved it it was just amazing opening the door and I thought I can do this I can teach English and I can work on the missionary field and I can support myself and so my rebel years were kind of over <laughs> And here I was wanting to work um, as a, you know, missionary. It was either that or the Peace Corps. I was really drawn to developing countries and making a difference, I think. And uh, and I, the Peace Corps wouldn't take me because of, uh, I don't know, I think it was my sight loss that, that, that we hadn't officially found out about that at that point. But I remember the, and I also wanted to work for um, child care. Well, it's, it used to be Christian Children's Fund, and they wouldn't take me because they didn't take um, non-nationals into the field. So it turned out that I thought, I'm just going to work overseas somewhere, somehow. And I, I found a job teaching with five missionary families, and I was the single missionary, uh, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah. And teacher, I was a teacher there. So were you, were you teaching their kids or were you teaching? I was teaching local kids. So what I okay. did is I went to Costa Rica for a missionary conference. I met this family and they said, oh, you should come and teach in Colombia. This was 1984. And so I had never really, I had a degree in uh, teaching English as a foreign language, but I never really taught. 
So I, uh, I, I, I did it. I went and I taught children uh, from age three years old to fifth grade for two years. And so I worked like with the families, there were five families and I worked uh, and traveled on my own. So it was a very exciting two years. You taught in several countries though, right? Um, mm -hmm. Where all did you teach and what did you teach? And Okay, so I always taught English and other elements like culture or language arts or something. And so I taught in South America and Colombia. I taught in Central America in Costa Rica. I taught in the um, in Japan and Taiwan and Indonesia in the, the Far East. And then I taught in uh, Egypt. The I taught in uh, the United Arab Emirates. Seems that there was, there were seven countries altogether. Is that wow. Seven? Yeah. Um, so I, I was really fortunate to find jobs in all these different countries. So, yeah. And was it always kind of with a Christian context or? Well, yes and no. Like the ones, the Christian context that I found were like on my own. Sometimes they weren't, they were just, I worked with the church or oh, I taught private lessons with, with the Bible. Or, but I always had like a secular job. You know, just someone wanting, that was how I earned my way. And then mm -hmm. I added like another element onto it. So it wasn't really through any church or anything. Mm -hmm. Were you, I, were you able to share your faith with any of them though? Or was it? Yes. Yes. Cool. Yeah. In every single situation, I was able to do that. So that was a, a big blessing. And uh, it, it was actually in the Middle East that I really, really, struggled and I grew the most of my faith because I had married an Egyptian and uh, he he was not Christian and of course probably in our situation we both secretly thought we would maybe change the other person to our each to he thought probably he would change me to to be a Muslim and I thought that I would you know convince him to be Christian it didn't work out instead what we did we had we we got pregnant with twins and uh probably around the halfway through of the fifth week the fifth month we had uh i was like uh of course i you know i grew very big and the the thing that i it, a lot of it was uh like uh what's the word um it was a lot of uh, water game. And so we thought, well, it's with twins, right? So I wasn't too worried about it, but it turned out that we, I got something called preeclampsia, mm -hmm. which uh, has a lot, has three different symptoms of it, you know, protein loss in your urine. And so, which means that you can have problems with your kidneys and then the, the edema, uh, swelling, that's what was happening to me. And the, what was the third thing? High blood pressure. So I had to be hospitalized. I lost one twin. We found out that in our, like the fifth month. And then uh, we, so then I was hospitalized. It was either, you know, it was, it went from moderate to severe preeclampsia very quickly. So I was under like a uh, watch for, uh, 
a couple days and then uh, they thought that my kidneys were going to uh, be damaged. So they put, took, put me, took me out of the American hospital and put me in a local hospital that had a kidney dialysis machine. And so I stayed there for six weeks until, uh, uh, well, we had the second baby um, in the 26th week and she lived for eight days. And then, um, and so then at that point when she was born, they put me in another ward <laughs> and I was in a like quote unquote problem pregnancy ward. And uh, they put me in a private ward and then I, maybe a week or 10 days later, I was released. So that was a pretty big thing to handle in a sort of a new marriage, you know, yeah. where you have uh, two different faiths going on and, and you know, and uh, so uh, we did have another, uh, we got pregnant again. I had a miscarriage in my third month. And so that was another stress on the, the marriage. <laughs> and he was a teacher as well. He taught it. Uh, we, well, of course, in the Middle East, there are two college, two types of colleges, men and women's college. So he was teaching at the men's college. I was teaching at the women's college. And uh, so we usually husband and wives don't work at the same college, but somehow we resolved the issue uh, of some of our problems. He was working at the women's college and then decided after our miscarriage that maybe God did not want us to be together. And mm. so he wanted to get a divorce. <laughs> and so uh, at this point, I don't know, maybe a couple, four or five months later, we got divorced. And, uh, and, and but we were somehow able to re rekindle our friendship, you know, like it wasn't, I, it, you know, it, I, I prayed about it that because I maybe would be the only Christian he would, that could influence him, you know? So I prayed that I would not, I would get over this, you know, disappointment that our marriage didn't work and whatever. And I, I think that at that point, uh, when I was facing death and, and I lost all these things, uh, that God really worked, uh, a lot in my life, you know, deeply to try to build my faith. Hmm. So when did you stop traveling? It wasn't you... until 2006 when my father was diagnosed with cancer mm -hmm. and he was the patriarch of our family. He, nobody in his own family of his siblings, nobody had ever been ill like that. So he was the first to pass away in his family and in our family. So it was, a, I think it was a, a turning point in all of my family's life. I came home to help my mother and uh, who had become, she was 76 years old. So she needed my help. And so that was, that's really when they ended. Hmm. So, yeah. So I had traveled from 1984 to 2000 six yeah yeah so yeah so it was quite a long run <laughs> yeah wow I could talk to you about that forever because I'm fascinated by different cultures and things yeah, but that's so fortunate. yeah yeah and I, I had been to 33 countries you know wow yeah so it was a really wonderful life part a period of my life 
Yeah. So when did you find out about um, your, that your site was yeah. decreasing? That was like my third year of my travels. So that was between Costa Rica and Indonesia. And I went to the doctors. I, I noticed when I was traveling in the jungle, I had gone traveled to Ecuador and I noticed it was really hard for me to see at night. And I was I came back and I had a job in I, I was offered a job in Indonesia. So I had about, I don't know, maybe a month or something. So I, I went to the doctors and I said, I need stronger glasses here. I'm gonna go all the way to Indonesia and I probably won't have a chance there. So I better get them now and that turned into like two days of uh I don't know tests and everything so at the end of that he's he told me that I had this condition that there was no cure for and that it was progressive it was retinitis pigmentosa probably you've heard of that yeah uh, and yes yeah, so I uh I, I had never I had n- I had not expected anything like that I expected to get glasses and to go sure so even I don't why I was so naive because after two days you would think that you would have an idea that there's something wrong (laughs) but I guess I was probably tuned into packing and you know getting ready or something I don't know but I was pretty much shocked and uh, so it was like I went home and I I I didn't know what to do should I still take the job in in Indonesia which what should I do I you know he said that the doctor had said at that time it was 1988 so they didn't know that much about rp uh, retinitis pigmentosa and so they said well you're going to lose your sight but we don't know when or how it's going to be so they couldn't tell me if it's going to like it's going to wake up one morning and lose it or if it was you know they just didn't know and so i took about two weeks and i uh i said gosh and then there was a scripture in the bible that kind of spoke to me it was uh, in Genesis, where, you know, he tells, uh, God tells Abram to go and to a place that he will show him and he will make him a uh, father of many nations. And I was just thinking about that scripture. And I said, you know what, he could take care of Abram and Abram didn't even know him at that point. And so he could take care of me if I go to Indonesia, if I lose my vision, he's still going to make me safe, you know. And so I decided to go ahead and, and to not let that condition uh deter me from following my goals and that was in uh, 1988 so i traveled all the way till 2006 with it with my sight loss wow yeah so i think that was a good decision and to not let it deter me and you know of course as that time went on it it developed more and more (laughs) but i just kept adapting you know and uh, like if I would run into something, then I would, you know, I didn't care. I, I didn't tell people about my condition because I was afraid that they would say, oh, you can't teach here. So, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes I went with the U.S. government. So there were a lot of, uh, you know, um, tests and a lot of uh, strident, um, you know, regulations and guidelines. So I just didn't tell people. I and mean, I just let people think I was clumsy or whatever, as long as I could stay and <laughs> and do what I wanted to do, you know. At some points, we set up language uh, language programs, and it was a really interesting, uh, uh, um, like, uh, duties. Sometimes it was a temporary duty. Sometimes it was a longer duty. So I was just so fortunate to have that opportunity, you know. I just, 
and I was able to study languages like Japanese through the University of Maryland, through the military, and just wonderful, wonderful opportunities while I was there. So you came home in 2006. When did you decide you needed blindness skills training? Yeah, that was a real, that was really the crux of the matter. You know, like, you know, all the time when they told me I was going to lose my vision, I knew it was coming, knew it was coming, knew it was coming, but I didn't know what it was going to be like. And when I took two years off to become a, like an author, I, I think, oh, I'm just going to write books and whatever, <laughs> but it wasn't that easy. And, um, so in those two years, 2006 to 2008, I didn't teach. I just lived off my, some of my savings and whatever and got training as a writer. And then at, during that period was when I just, it probably stress impacts you. And with my father gone it, and readapting to life in the U.S. after not being here so long, there was just reverse culture shock, all these different things impacted me. And I just started tripping over everything running into things people thought like I went to my high school reunion and they thought you probably read that in the book that that I had some neurological problem and you know they nobody knew because I didn't tell people mm-hmm. and I don't know why there's that that shame that's in involved in it or you know it's like you don't want to be different or singled out or whatever you know and so I didn't tell people and then but I then I, I had to because I was running out of money so I had to take another job and Again, God uh, provided that job in my own neighborhood, maybe five, five or seven minutes away, a Christian school, uh, teaching Spanish, and I taught at, at, um, at a college, taught Far East Asian Studies, and but during those that, that time, it was so hard uh, to listen to my students talk back, not to trip over books. It was just such a huge, enormous challenge not uh, to work and to, uh, my principal knew about my sight loss, but I didn't tell my students. And it was just so hard to be in a sighted world and be blind. And I'm losing my hearing as well. So I, that, that's why it was hard to hear the students speak back. And it was, I, I felt like on the periphery of everything. So that was really when I had to seek blindness training and also uh, get hearing aids and uh, make provisions and, and face everything. I didn't really face it. I was in denial all those years because I could still do what I wanted to do. And uh, so if, I think that's another God just really. Where'd you go? You just got hard to hear. Oh, can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. That's where you're sorry. Um, but yeah, that's where God just really made me face it that I. I had this condition and I was not going to get away with, <laughs> with without doing something about it. And I had a, a the blindness trainer that is was completely blind. And he's the one that gave me the training. And I believe that if it had been a sighted guy giving me blindness training, it wouldn't have been so uh um, I wouldn't have accepted it so easily. So I mean I didn't accept it easily, but I would would have not gained so much, you know. And I, that was a whole year of my life that, that God really, every single day he intervened and I had to face things every single day, you know? So that was the real reckoning of my faith and my uh, getting skills training. And that, that is the book, Mobility Matters, Stepping Out in Faith, where I, I learned that instead of losing my 
independence that a white king gives you back your independence. That was my big uh, takeaway from that year. Mm -hmm. Tell us where we can find your book or books. And we'll talk about this more in part two, but um, where can they find Mobility Matters? And Okay. Uh, my book, Mobility Matters and King Confessions and the other books I've written about sight loss can be found on my website, amybovere.com. That's A-M-Y, B as in boy, O, B as in Victor, A-I-R as in air, D as in Delta, dot com. And uh, they're also available at Amazon on Kindle and large print, regular print. And they're available and, uh, at Audible and uh, Amazon um, in audio and iTunes. Yeah. Wow. You're everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I have a brand new book that came out called A Time to Dance, Finding Joy After Loss, Child, Child Loss. So that one is, is just a little story, a couple stories and uh, um, a uh, uh, excerpt from my brand new book is called Second Sight More Than My Mobility. Yeah. Okay, well, we will come back and uh, you can, listeners can look for the next podcast in a couple of weeks and uh, we will talk about more about Amy's journey and the faith questions that I typically ask. And uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it.